Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The U.S. Open just wrapped up in New York, and if you're like me, you've got tennis on your mind. Did you know it's a sport that not only keeps you in shape, but also improves memory? If you don't have time for in-person lessons, you can now learn the fundamentals online via Learn, Play, Love Tennis. These are state-of-the-art training videos led by Ravi D'Souza, founder of Topspin, The Winning Edge, and a top Canadian tennis coach with over 30 years of experience. Check out LearnPlayLoveTennis.com and get your first month free. That's right, free by using the code E2Tennis. That's E2Tennis when you sign up for your new account at LearnPlayLoveTennis.com. This is E2 Entrepreneurs Exposed, where we speak to all kinds of founders and creators doing amazing things in business and beyond. If you enjoy the show and E2 is part of your podcast diet, you can become a supporter. The whole thing takes about a minute. Go to glow.fm slash E2 if you're interested. That's glow.fm slash E2. Today on the show is Alan Lau, who co-founded Wattpad back in 2006. Wattpad is now the world's social storytelling platform with over 90 million readers worldwide. Thousands of Wattpad stories have been adapted for major platforms and gone on to become blockbuster movies, Netflix hits, Emmy-nominated TV shows, and best-selling books around the world. The company has received now well over 100 million in venture funding from some very notable global names, including Union Square Ventures, Tencent Holdings, and others. And on top of all that, Wattpad just completed its sale to Naver Corporation earlier this year in a deal worth over 600 million bucks. In this one, we dive deep into the origins of Wattpad, what makes marketplace models work in Alan's ever important asset framework, how Wattpad leverages its data to ink deals with Netflix and other big networks, the company's superpower, influence, and role in producing blockbuster movies, and much more. So without delay, let's get to the show. Here is Alan Lau. The sale to Naver, um, which is obviously huge and big news for a, a Toronto-based company like Wattpad. How did the deal come about and how has your life changed and how has the company changed since the acquisition? Yeah, perhaps we can go back a few years. And originally we started off as a, as a reading app uh, for people to read and share stories. A few years later, after we started, we started the uh, Wattpad Studios division, leveraged the building audience uh, and data uh, on our platform and, and take the best stories uh, uh, 
uh, and turn them into TV shows and, and movies. And we have a lot of blockbusters and hit TV shows uh, came off our platform. When the, the pandemic hit, we we actually see a very very huge increase in traffic and usage for obvious reasons uh, because people are, are locked down from home. We we think about what's the next step should be for for the company. Should we uh, continue down the the current path, or should we raise another round of funding, or should we take the company public? All these options are in front of us, and because the company has been doing very well, uh, both from the uh, traction perspective and also from a financial perspective, we are in very good shape. We we, we didn't need to raise another round of funding, but we were thinking, how could we accelerate uh, the the business? And then uh, as we uh, continue our conversation, it it became uh, very apparent that uh, it's going to be a one plus one equals to to four, because the the vision was shockingly uh, aligned, the uh, strategy very much aligned, um, the way we, we think about growing a digital native uh, business in the storytelling space is perfectly aligned. And uh, they also uh, started a division called Webtoon Studios uh, that takes the best stories on their platform and turn them into TV shows and, and, and movies, uh, but mainly for net animations. In, in a way, it feels like it's made in heaven. So uh, it it came the the acquisition came uh, off very naturally because of the alignment and we believe uh, this could be one of the best ways for us to achieve uh, step function growth uh, in the company and uh, and then the rest is history. You mentioned some of these other options like raising another round, which you said didn't make sense at the time, and you didn't need the capital. But what about going public? Why did you decide not to go that route? I think the acquisition came at a at a very interesting time. We, you know, uh, between myself and and my co-founder Ivan, we were thinking, uh, asking ourselves the question: Should we should should going public be something that we we should consider? Uh, because if we look at the the numbers, I, I think we are pretty close, uh, if not already there. Uh, so, uh, but we we didn't we didn't go down this. Path um, that that fell down that path uh, because the the neighbor webtoon opportunity came, came along at pretty much the same time. So uh, and uh, that conversation went really well. So we, we didn't really consider seriously consider uh, to to be completely honest. But uh, th- this is something that we we thought about. And if the neighbor acquisition opportunity did not come along, we 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 could have we could have gone gone public. Do you think these options still would have been there even if the pandemic didn't happen? Like, do you view the pandemic as a big bellwether for the business? Uh, It's very hard to say. I do feel like we would have achieved that step function growth anyway. Uh, It's just that I think the best way to put it, we we, we have seen like two, three or four years of growth compressed into two weeks. Literally, that's what happened. But I, I think eventually we, we would still get there. Actually, before we go back to the origin story of Wattpad, mm-hmm. one more question post-acquisition. How has your life changed, Alan? And do you feel any different? Yeah, in a, in a way, I um, I try not to change too much personally. You know, uh, I have to let it sink in uh, uh, for for a period of time and I, I think this 
now since uh, we announced the acquisition in in January, it's been nine, almost nine months since the announcement, uh, and I, I I would say not much has changed uh, for me. Uh, saying there's no change would be disingenuous. You know, I'm not suggesting that, but I uh, I do want want to um, uh, make sure the the change is not too abrupt and you know disruptive to to me personally, and uh, I think professionally, it's uh, uh, I'm not done yet. You know, <laughs> there, there's so much work and so much uh, growth ahead of us, and especially with the combination of, of neighbor, there uh, there are many things that we probably w- would not be able to achieve uh, by ourselves, or would take a much longer time for us to achieve by ourselves. And, and, and now with the combination, uh, it's, uh, it's a huge turbocharger, a huge accelerator in our growth. So um, I, I think we, um, I'm very much focused on that. So uh, professional perspective, also not much has changed. So let's go back um, to the very early days. So let's talk, you know, circa 2006. And just looking at your profile, it looks like there was some overlap between the incubation of Wattpad and some of these other ventures that you were working on upstream Mm -hmm. systems, the wireless company. Can you just take us back to that time frame? How did this seed get planted? I was the CTO and co-founder of my first company. Uh, it's called Tira Wireless. Uh, long story short, as a mobile gaming company, uh, mobile gaming as and the creating mobile apps, but for the feature phones uh, at that time, because iPhone did not exist in 2002. The most popular phone was the Candy Bar Nokia phone. So we were um, publishing games on behalf of uh, some publishers that, uh, uh, like Sony Pictures and and Disney, uh, like uh, uh, Finding Nemo on the Nokia phone. Uh, there was a game on, on the Nokia phone at that time. It, uh, we we were uh, part of that team to uh, work on that that game uh, as an example. And we also publish our own games. Uh, but a tiny secret of uh, me is, is that I, I don't play a lot of games. You know, I'm not a gamer. Uh, even today, I uh, only play games uh, very casually. In my spare time, I, I wanted to do something that is fun and also uh, related to, to me professionally. So um, uh, if you look at my media consumption, I, I love to read. So the, the, the first idea that came off and uh, as my side project was a mobile reading app on, on the Candy Bar Nokia phone. That was the idea. And uh, of course, after uh, building the, the prototype uh, in, in my basement, I quickly realized no one would use that because I could only read three lines of text at a time. <laughs> no, one, no one would want to scroll a million times before a, a paragraph is even finished. So um, I popped that idea. And then fast forward to year 2006, um, the most popular phone was the flip phone, the Motorola Razr, if you recall. Yes. Uh, that phone has a much larger screen size. So I could, uh, at least at that time, I could read more, much more comfortably on, on, on that phone. Now my WordPress co-founder, Ivan, um, he uh, instant messaged me. He used to work for Tira as well. So we knew each other for many, for many years. In the message he sent me, that's what he said. Hey, Alan, I'm working on a new product idea. Here's the link. Uh, can you check it out and give me some feedback? 
And when I click on that link, uh, guess what I saw? He was working on a mobile reading app for the, for the flip phone as well. But he was one step ahead of me. Uh, he also built a website for people to share the, the content on the web and then consume the text-based content on, on, the, uh, on the flip phone. That's what he did. So um, instantly uh, we realized, okay, well, both of us uh, knew each other for a very long time. Both of us uh, think this, this is a, an amazing idea. And why don't we, we shouldn't be working independently? We, we should just uh, team up and, and start a company together. And that's what we did. Uh, unfortunately, we thought we would get millions of users in, in the first year. Uh, we were spot on, except that we missed by a few zeros. <laughs> <laughs> we only uh, got <laughs> a thousand users, uh, perhaps a thousand users after um, the year after we started. But we, you have to remember, uh, it was... 2006, 2007, uh, consuming content on mobile was a very nascent concept. User-generated content was a very nascent concept. Social network, uh, socializing, uh, in, in our context, building a community uh, amongst our readers and, and writers, of course, is a brand new concept as well. Facebook had 50 million users at that time. It was tiny. Facebook had 100 employees. Uh, YouTube was one year old. Uh, so, uh, of course, we were struggling because the foundation wasn't there. Mm. Um, so, um, back to your, your first question, you, there, there was some uh, overlap between uh, different ventures and that's what we did. After a year, we were really struggling. We were thinking, should we continue to uh, spend our, uh, uh, all our time on, on Wattpad? And uh, we, we almost pulled the plug, but uh, um, the uh, one of us, I can't remember who said this. Okay, well, uh, we were generating $2 in revenue per, per month. It's very depressingly low, uh, but... Uh, because no one is using our product, you know, our hosting cost is like five bucks. We were three dollars away from break even. That's, why why should we give up? We were bootstrapping, you know, at that time. We had no external investors. And uh, that turned out to be a blessing because that time uh, gave us uh, um, the, the runway to, to grow the company, to grow the user base, uh, to improve the product. And then eventually... Uh, WordPress started to take off in 2008 to 2009. What would you say is the turning point at that time? So 2008, 2009, trying to think proliferation of smartphones, et cetera. What else was happening? The timing in 2006 when we started the company, it, it sounds early, but in hindsight, it was actually the perfect time because we 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 were counting on the phone capability would continue to improve. You know, in 2006, uh, let's face it, reading on the flip phone was okay, but it wasn't comfortable. But we expected better, the, the phone capability would, would continue to improve. Of course, we did not know iPhone would come out, but um, it turned out iPhone and Android uh, came out in two years, three years after we started the, the company. It turned out that that prediction was right uh, in terms of improvements in, in mobile phone. So, and also the, the other thing is we also uh, uh, expected um, the mobile data, the infrastructure, whether it's Wi-Fi, whether it's uh, cellular data would improve. And that was important because the, co the combination of mobile phone and mobile data would allow people to have a, a reading device that they can carry 
to anywhere they want. They they can read anytime. The one that was always the vision of the company, and these two infrastructure foundational pieces came together in the 1,000 days after we started the company. So I I think that was the the turning point. Uh, however, I would also say because we started just before the foundation, the infrastructure foundation was uh, ready. Uh, when the foundation was ready, we we were there. We had a great product already. We, in, in a way, we we had the first mover advantage as well mm. because we started at the right time. Were there any U.S. players with similar business models at the time? Yes, uh, there there were um, a few similar but not identical companies. Uh, there there were uh, a few uh, communities very similar to. Wattpad, but um, some of them actually started by uh, the traditional publishers. You know, they, they they wanted to dabble into digital. At that time, they tried to figure out what digital would, would mean to to their business. But uh, we were the only one who combined uh, a digital native uh, reading experience on mobile, uh, also a social sharing experience, also building a community. Those elements are very unique, and UGC, user-generated content, these elements are a very unique combination because it's, it's so unique. And even today, it's, it's still very unique. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that like, <laughs> after so many years, <laughs> not, not a lot of people perfectly copied what, what we have done. And that gave us the time to, to build a moat uh, around us. And how would you describe the moat that you've built? So... Just walk us through the trajectory of both sides of the marketplace, so the readers and the publishers. How many users are there at this point? At this point, we have uh, over 90 million monthly users, of which about four or five million are writers, and they share um, a million chapters in 50 languages uh, every day on our platform in pretty much every single country on, on this planet, uh, cumulatively with over billion uploads. Uh, so uh, in terms of content, we are definitely the, the largest. And that's uh, is the content, a story, is the atomic unit on, on, on this marketplace. Uh, and that is the glue between the readers and the writers. So um, back to your question about the, the, the modes. Um, uh, originally, when we, when, we first, when we first started, of course, there's no, no mode. Uh, and we, we, we also suffer from the uh, chicken and egg problem. You know, without any content, uh, I have no ability to attract any reader uh, to, to come onto our platform. Without any audience, and no writer would have any uh, incentive or reasons to, to upload anything on our platform. So uh, this is um, a problem that any uh, marketplace would face uh, initially. So. Um, it, w- it was the right decision at that time. Of course, I, I can artic- articulate this uh, much better uh, today uh, after going through this journey. But in, in, in short, uh, if you look at any marketplace, it's always uh, better to bootstrap from the supply side first. And mm. then once we have enough supply, then we switch to the demand. Uh, we have seen this trend over and over again on other marketplaces. So the first thing we we did when we launched was less import uh, 
what's available out there. And we imported 17,000 titles, the classic books on, on our platform. And that turned out to be one of the best decisions that we have done because now we have sufficient content to at least attract, well, the first thousand users, you know, and leveraging that, uh, we, we have a, a, some audience, a, a very small size of audience, but at least we have some audience. So that allow us to attract the, the, the first writer who upload uh, the, the first original story on our platform um, about two years after we started the company because of the audience. Who was that original story and that writer? Uh, it, it was um, a writer. Um, it's, a, it's a teenage girl from the UK. Uh, she was the most popular writer on our platform because she was the only one at that time. Uh, she has uh, a very small following, uh, but big enough that we start to understand the, the user psychology and, and how people would use our, our platform. She, she has maybe 200 people reading her, her story. It's a teenage a romance story. So in a way, that type of content is very unique uh, because you, you just cannot find it anywhere else on, uh, on the market. And that allowed uh, this writer uh, to attract um, a lot of the, uh, attract a lot of the uh, teenage uh, audience as well, a small audience. But um, that allowed me to see the, the behavior and the interaction between them, the the, the readers would, would be saying, oh, oh my goodness, this story is so amazing. I've never read anything like this before. When can you upload the next chapter? So when can you upload the next chapter is key because the next chapter is still in the head of the, of the writer. This is not how traditional publishing works. You have mm -hmm. to finish the entire book, send the manuscript, right? So mm -hmm. in a way, we, uh, through the interaction, we, we learn so many things. This is one of the many examples that um, what a digital native platform for uh, fictional or uh, creative writing would look like. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That's so interesting. So just to close the loop on this, what percentage of your demand side is our female teenagers at this point? So today, um, teenage girls are still one of our largest uh, demographics, but um, nowadays we, we expanded and expanded o over the years. Uh, we have pretty much every single genre that uh, you, you you can see from uh, like from science fiction to historical romance to teenage romance to to uh, horror thriller you, you name it uh, we we have it 
And uh, because of the content, we we are also able to attract uh, outside of our core teenage girl uh, demographics as well. But that that being said, teenage girls still uh, one of our largest de- demographics. Going back to something you said earlier about marketplace models and going with supply side first before demand. What other lessons, takeaways, strategies can you share with founders who are attempting to scale a marketplace model today? Yeah, we, um, uh, when I say we, uh, because uh, it's not just me, uh, including my co-founder Ivan and also my wife Eva also joined the company in uh, yeah. uh, 2009 uh, when we were still bootstrapping uh, at that time. And we, we, we figure out uh, a model called the asset model, uh, A-S-S-E-T. Uh, that stands for the the sequence of events that that should happen uh, or would happen in in most of the marketplaces. Uh, so uh, first, A stands for the atomic unit. You define what your atomic unit is. Um, in our case, uh, uh, is the is the story, and then you see the supply, and then you scale the demand, and uh, and then. Uh, um, you you enable the the engagement and finally you 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 leverage the the data that you collect you you track proprietary data and that's the proprietary data set that you own the behavior that you observe on the marketplace is is what you own so this this asset framework uh, is very very applicable to uh, many other marketplaces um, and we leverage that the the knowledge that we that we uh, accumulated over time and uh, uh, started a venture firm called Two Small Fish Ventures. And mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, the, the asset framework is the, is the foundation of that investment thesis when we invest in marketplaces. Hmm. And that's the fund that you and your wife started in 2014, was it? Yeah, she, um, well, she left uh, Wattpad in 2013. Uh, and then she started angel investing. And then... Uh, she realized, well, the experience that we gained at Wattpad is uh, uh, not only is, is very unique in, in Canada, the experience is also broadly applicable to, to other companies. Over time, that angel investment uh, activity be- became a um, proper venture fund. Um, uh, she raised a uh, uh, $12 million fund, mainly focused in North America, mostly in Canada, I should say, but uh, there are some investments in North, North America. Uh, but a big part of that is uh, leveraging what we learn through Wattpad and, and help uh, entrepreneurs uh, to seed and scale. Let me come back to this asset framework for a moment, and let's dive deeper into step four, enabling engagement. Because you know, building a culture of community, which I know is one of the cornerstones of Wattpad, I think a lot of companies are thinking about engagement, community building now more than ever, especially during the pandemic and beyond the pandemic. So what can you share in terms of step four and strategies and lessons to uh, build deeper engagement down the road? The the engagement, why engagement is, uh, is important is, is because of re- retention and also because of uh, the collection of the data and the behavioral data that, that I mentioned. Uh, of course, it works for consumer uh, marketplaces like Wattpad, but uh, interestingly, it also applies to enterprise uh, marketplaces or a- any other double-sided uh, marketplaces. If you attract 
whatever your, your marketplace is in the case of WordPad, your supply side, our supply side is, is writer. If you attract the writers and attract the readers, if someone else uh, has similar content, people would move on very easily, right? Because it's not, it's not that defensible. However, if that engagement is, is very strong, in our case, very strong connection and engagement through comments and, and, and uh, other connections, uh, we, we connect the readers and, and writers um, very intimately. If your writer, uh, if your favorite writer is still on Wattpad, why would you go on to another platform? So the same works for other marketplaces as well. Because sometimes the, the atomic unit can be a commodity, may not be very unique. And in what case, our content is also very unique. Most of our content, or most of our writers, they only upload to the Wattpad, but it might not be the case for, for a marketplace for selling things. For example, if you're selling a commodity, then people can, can, can go elsewhere very easily. And, but if you, and let's say you connect the buyers and the sellers through conversation and you can repeat that engagement over time, then it's like going to the corner store. Why would you go to the corner store? Because you know the owner of the store. They say hi to you. They say good morning to you. That's why you have more incentives. Psychologically, you have more incentives to go to the corner store rather than the big box, right? It's the same philosophy here. And uh, um, the second point is about the, the information that, that you collect. Uh, in the case of Wattpad, the data that we collect is very interesting because we actually know which paragraph people would be the most engaging and why, because people can post comments contextually on, on the paragraph. So we, we know, oh my goodness, th this is the, the major turning point of, of this storyline. And this paragraph is so important. So when we adapt to movies and TV shows, we can tell the screenwriter, keep chapter one and chapter five and chapter seven, but chapter seven only the first two paragraphs because of these reasons. And we leverage that so, so frequently. And this is the proprietary data that only we have and nobody else would have. So this give us um, the unique uh, superpower. That is so interesting. And you're, you're teeing me up for this next question, but I would imagine that this helps to propel some of the Wattpad stories that have been adapted for big platforms, big movies, uh, Netflix hits, and I'm thinking about the Kissing Booth, Emmy-nominated Emmy TV series, etc. So when you're talking to a Netflix or you're talking to um, some other network, do they see this as a real competitive advantage in terms of having that data and you sharing it with them? Absolutely. Uh, there are, um, over time, there are 1,500 stories uh, on Wattpad that have been adapted to movies, TV shows, and um, published books. So um, we involve in many of them to a certain degree. Some we, we, we are end-to-end. -end. We are the producers uh, of, of the show. So we involve from day one to on the big screen. Some we are less involved. Some we only involve in the marketing for example, you know, uh, when the show or print books available uh, on our platform, you know, uh, we can very targeted marketing campaign uh, for for the shows or the, or the print books on our platform to bring the building audience to the to the box office and or, or to the bookstore. 
is is a uh, is a very powerful end to end platform. But back to the the point about being data driven uh, decision making. This is uh, absolutely our unique superpower, because uh, the this is the data that we have and only we have. And uh, there are、um, many different shows、uh, that we that we are involved in.、Uh, we actually told the, the screenwriter, "Hey,、uh, when you adapt,、uh, in, in case you don't know,、uh, for movie a- a- adaptation, you have to cut out eighty percent of the content、uh, because of the of the length of the movie. You just cannot uh, uh,、um, take the entire book and turn the entire book into into a movie. Just not." Possible, but how would a screenwriter know which twenty percent or fifteen percent to keep? So we we give a lot of that intelligence to the screenwriter early on, so that they they don't have to guess at all, and、uh, that's proven to be extremely effective、uh, time after time. And uh, and uh, there's a lot of education going on to the entertainment industry.、Um, they may not know. They may not fully understand the power of the data early on, but now it's 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 very different. They very fascinating to to see after a few years. The、um, we have studios approaching us、uh, and knowing that、uh, they can make use of the data in, in day one. We we don't even have to tell them. And you can make use of that data as well. I would imagine that you have skin in the game and a vested interest in seeing these productions become successful. Absolutely, and、uh, we we want to be、uh, be actively involved in the projects. So, so many of the projects that we the the stories of our platform, we we are the producers of the show, or we are the publisher of the, of the book. And the reason is、um, we we have the knowledge to make it very successful. At the end of the day, movie or the publishing、uh, business is is a hit based business. No one would have a hundred percent. Hit rate or track record to to turn something into a success. However,、uh, the higher the probability of success, and of course the the, the better the businesses. So we are in in the game of like improving the 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 probability of success. And we、um, after like fifteen hundred projects, we、uh, we have all the numbers to prove that we we can significantly increase the probability. I can't imagine that you and Ivan, going back to two thousand eight, two thousand and nine, saw this direction of the business, or did you?、Uh, to to say that we 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 expected like fifteen years or fourteen years after we started the company, we would be we would be、uh, the producer of some of the the blockbusters would would be disingenuous.、Uh-huh. Uh, Um, however, I, I would also say, very early on, we we knew that the business model would be very different, because it's a digital native、uh, business.、Uh, we just know the how people create, how people consume, and how we how the business make money, and how we make money for the writers would be very very different. And I think, in a way, we are also very fortunate that we. Both Ava and I, we 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 are engineers. We knew nothing about pub- publishing, and in a way, we started with a blank sheet of paper. And without that preconception, that actually helped us to think out of the box、uh, much more so than than other、uh, other people would have. So, I guess back to your question, 
Uh, no, we didn't <laughs> think about uh, making a movie 14 years ago. Uh, however, um, we knew uh, something would be very, very different. And uh, I think we, we were right. Uh, and the business, in a way, has not, uh, has not pivoted. Uh, it, it may look like we have pivoted or, or changed, but in, in fact, we didn't. Uh, the, on day one, uh, people could read uh, classic books on our platform. People can still read classic books on our platform today. We just keep on expanding, finding adjacent areas that we can expand into. And uh, I think there's still new areas that we're exploring that we haven't quite fully figured out. And I think this is the why the next step is uh, still extremely exciting for us. One of the more exciting points that I was reading about is is your your trajectory in terms of securing venture funding and obviously having some of the biggest names in venture uh, right checked for Wattpad. And I'm thinking about, you know, Union Square Ventures uh, out of New York, who has backed some of the biggest names in tech, including, I think, Twitter and, and Etsy, Tencent Holdings out of China. Um, they're an investor. Now, looking back, what have you learned as a as, as a founder scaling a fast growing business um, in terms of partnering with VC companies? Uh, we raised up to Series D before uh, two years before the acquisition. So we raised four rounds of venture funding, plus an angel round in 2010. Um, so five rounds of funding, and each round we did uh, we, we did the funding very strategically. We tried to optimize for finding the right partner or partners at that stage of the company. So uh, the, the first round was um, angel investors locally. Uh, it was a very different time um, uh, 12 years ago, uh, raising funding, uh, both from angels and, and VCs. Very difficult in, in Toronto. And for an early stage company, it's uh, almost mission impossible. Unlike today, you can just zoom <laughs> into, into a call in San Francisco. It, it did not work that way. So um, local angels, it was the uh, almost the only option. And we, we, we could finish the conversation in one afternoon because there were only five people that I could talk to. <laughs> At that time, the angel community was, was very small, but I was grateful that uh, Bert Amato, uh, who started uh, the arena, who, uh, also uh, where I started my career um, many years ago, um, uh, Bert was the founder, uh, co-founder of the company, and uh, we kept in touch. And he wrote a check to us, so uh, that super helpful. And then Series A, it was uh, Union Square Ventures. Uh, as many of you know, they were the first investor in uh, Twitter, Tumblr, Foursquare, um, Coinbase, uh, uh, and many many other uh, really well-known companies. So. Um, that was also uh, strategically very, very important to us because we, we could leverage the uh, their experience in not only in investing, but connection to the uh, portfolio CEOs so that we could learn many things that was uh, could be applicable to, to, to Wattpad um, in different verticals, but uh, really super relevant experience. And the Series B was uh, Silicon Valley. We, we need to have that connection over there. And we also um, had a few investors from the entertainment space uh, uh, way back in 2012 uh, for our B round. So um, uh, that was super helpful as well. And the C round led by Omers locally, 
Um, and then the uh, August Capital from the Valley also participated. Uh, Series D was uh, ten cents, uh, and and uh, uh, a few other Asian investors. Uh, as uh, um, Asia is uh, by traffic is our largest uh, continent, almost thirty percent of our traffic came from Asia. So that was also important. So as you can see, there there were many many reasons uh, that we picked the right those investors at that stage uh, in our journey. It sounds like these partners were the right partners for Wadpad and that it was a good experience. When you mentor other entrepreneurs and they're thinking about raising, where do you advise, what do you advise them in terms of finding the right venture partner? And where do you see partnerships with VCs going wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, uh, capital in, in a way less capital is a commodity, is undifferentiated. So having the investors uh, who walk with you, not leading you, not uh, walking behind you, but walk with you uh, along the journey and fully understand the, the trouble, the uh, pain points that you are facing, extremely important. But I would also say not only understand the challenges that you are facing, but also be able to to tell you how, uh, at least through sharing experience uh, to, to solve your, your challenges, also extremely important. It's very easy for an investor to say, hire great people or grow faster. I know that, so you don't have to tell me that, uh, but uh, very few investors would be able to tell you, hey, Alan, uh, you perhaps you need to do this because five of my portfolio companies have seen this, or when I was an operator, now I, I'm an investor, I'm an operator, and I, this is how I solved the problem in the past. So that kind of experience money cannot buy. So um, finding the right investors that uh, is optimal for that stage of the company that can actually help you, not, not just telling you superficial stuff, extremely important. Well, I mean, it's an amazing story, and um, this has been a long time coming for me, Alan. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Wattpad.com, where stories live. Where else can people connect with you and learn about what you're up to? Well, I'm very active on Twitter. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, um, I share uh, many of my uh, news on on those uh, social networks, and I uh, uh, I also blog regularly, maybe a little bit less frequently in the past few months. Just been so busy, but uh, you can also check me out on alansathos.com. That's my personal blog. Cool. And also Two Small Fish Ventures for more on the fund and your investments Mm -hmm. in uh, companies with strong network effects. So again, thank you so much and congrats on all the success so far. Thanks for inviting me. That's it, guys, for today. Thanks so much for listening. E2 is brought to you by Scriberbase. Want to build recurring revenue for your business? Visit Scriberbase.com for more info. If you enjoy the show, download, share, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit us at glow.fm slash e2 to become a supporter. Until next time, make today count with whatever it is you're working on. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Lessa Gaudet, host of Her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.